listening to Bloom and Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, it's David Bloom. Welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Tech. Uh, recently, uh, I was at the NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, New York conference where I saw the president and CEO of Sinclair Broadcast Group, the biggest chain of TV stations in the nation, Christopher Ripley, speak about where that company's going. It's a pretty interesting conversation. I will append that to the back end of this so you can listen to it. He stopped by to talk about the transformative potential of ATSC 3.0. That's the new uh, technology for broadcasts that will pack more more uh, channels into the over-the-air spectrum, but also allow it to do a lot more interesting things like addressable advertising and targeted interactive experiences. They'll be able to provide connections to all the in-car entertainment that are coming along. He talks about a lot of this stuff and why it matters, how it can be transformative for the broadcast industry. There's lots of reasons for some skepticism or at least, you know, more reduced enthusiasm than we saw at NABNY. But uh, clearly the broadcast industry thinks this is going to be a big deal for them. Ripley also talked about the quote-unquote antiquated TV viewing experience. Uh, what acquisitions that might be in store for Sinclair now that the Tribune deal looks to be dead, how Sinclair hopes to stir, and that's S-T-I-R-R, the streaming video pot with their new service, and why the Tennis Channel is perfectly positioned for a sports gambling future. Interestingly, he also points out that Sinclair won't be uh, swimming in the sea of blood, as he put it, that is the state of online streaming video thanks to the negative margin businesses of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and other tech giants who don't need to make money on content so much as so long as they do other things, though plenty of us can argue about Netflix in particular. There are some subjects Ripley did not discuss with Rick Howe, a longtime industry consultant and self-described ITV doctor, in particular, the criticism of Sinclair's controversial imposition of conservative editorial uh, positions on its local news anchors. He also didn't talk about that failed Tribune deal, which would have dramatically increased Sinclair's already substantial national reach. I think those are two big holes that should have been addressed, but that's what happens. Nevertheless, there's lots here that's worth listening to. I've also got a transcript of this over on uh, tvrev.com, uh, so you can read it if you so choose, but uh, sometimes listening's better. Apologize for the quality of the audio. It's not perfect, but that's what happens when you're a giant conference and there's a couple of guys on a stage and you don't know the sound guy. Anyway, I think it's uh, it's still audible and I think it's probably pretty useful. Give her a listen. Thanks, everybody. Chris, thank you for joining us, man. How are you? Thank you, Rick. Doing well. Are you having fun at Sinclair? It's been a blast. I've been there for almost five years, and I will say that as a reformed investment banker, it's been one of the best experiences I've ever had. A reformed investment banker? How the hell did you get to Sinclair from the investment bank? Well, I spent my whole career as a uh, corporate finance specialist doing M&A, 
and spent over a decade covering broadcast. So uh, Sinclair was one of my largest clients. When it was time for me to leave investment banking, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and it's been, uh, it's been a great ride. Sweet. All right, so um, for those of you who want to know, I have a list of questions here. I don't always do that, but with the important things like this. So give us an overview of long-term strategy for growing Sinclair. So when we think about strategy in Sinclair, we really break it up into three buckets. The first being content, which is uh, probably the most important right now. And really, what you've seen in the marketplace is Netflix has taught us, Netflix has taught us that the players that combine information and entertainment with convenience and user experience will win. And what does that mean for the rest of us, like companies like Sinclair, is that we're really focused on winning in the areas where we're strong, and that means local, it's topicals, it's sports. And just to unpack that a little bit more, specifically in local, uh, we know that the younger generation wants local, but is very unhappy with the current offerings that are available on their choice of platform. And uh, right now, the default uh, platform for that generation has become social. Social does a very poor job on local and also has problems with trustworthiness. So that's where we're focused on our local offerings. How do we service that next generation on their platform of choice? The second leg of the stool for us is wireless. And you've heard a lot about that at this conference. We've been a big booster and a technology provider into ATS and 3.0. And that is going to take our wireless spectrum, which is only used by 15 to 20% of the population today, and is going to unlock a significant amount of value uh, and actually make it a platform which the entire country will want to use. And then last but not least, we think about our marketing services, our relationships with the advertisers, national and but primarily in the local marketplaces. And we approach that from a integrated, approach where we go to capture more of their share of wallet and provide them a fully integrated suite of marketing services including spot, website, AdWords, social, social campaigns. So they have a one-stop shop to uh, get the uh, cash register. Okay. Alright. So let's talk a little bit about audience because you talked about uh, uh, the younger folks and, and not necessarily being served well by the, the, the uh, social media and all the rest of that. As I mentioned to you, I had a uh, meeting with a group of students from NYU and coaching them, and um, not surprisingly, they all have broadband, they all have Netflix. It did surprise me, they're all actually paying for Netflix. Put a pin in that one. A few years ago, I coached another team of kids, and every single one of them was sharing somebody else's credentials. They're now actually paying for Netflix. They may be sharing an account a multi-viewer account, but they're paying for Netflix. There's a, there's a shift in there. Um, but we talked a little bit about broadcasting. And, and that generation associates broadcast with cable, which they have no interest in. Uh, they don't even divide the two. This group of folks actually had no idea that there was such a thing as over-the-air television. They didn't realize they could get that. But they'll watch content on Hulu. Okay. So they want the shows from primetime network television, but they don't know where, where else to get it. So how do you reach those people? Because, I mean, that's the future. How do you reach them? Well, look, there, there isn't really an incentive 
um, on behalf of the industry to promote the existing over-the-air experience. It's a good experience from a quality perspective. You can get HD, high-quality pictures over-the-air to a television on the wall, can't be in motion, but it really is an antiquated experience in a lot of regards. And uh, the, the next generation, even if they knew about it, I, I'm not sure if they would really take full advantage of it because it's only delivering linear television, and that's really not the way that generation is used to interacting with things. No, that's right. They they, they don't want your schedule. They want their schedule. They want to watch it when they want to watch it. Correct. And, and so uh, at this conference, you saw yesterday uh, a whole slate of broadcasters uh, proclaiming uh, their uh, dedication to rolling out ATSC 3.0, and that's really important because ATSC 3.0 really uh, delivers five key benefits to the broadcasters and, and, and consequently benefits to the Take the notes, audience. everybody, all of you, five key benefits. Number one is that it's um, IP end-to-end. Okay, so that means uh, television will no longer be a separate technology stack onto its own and it will support a hybrid environment. So if, from a user perspective, um, you will not be able to know whether you're getting information and data from over the air or through the public internet. You will get an interface uh, which will be seamless to you and it'll have both pipes working. And, and that means you can deliver an experience that these, this generation is used to having over the internet today, but through our own distribution platform. So it'll be interactive, it'll have on-demand features, we have, it'll have all the, the advanced features which you associate with a, with a, with a best-in-class OTT experience today. Um, the second benefit is that it will have uh, dramatically more capacity. So we'll be able to do a lot more with the existing uh, spectrum and we have about four times more capacity and potentially more down the future as, um, as compression uh, increases. And it'll, it's a mobile first standard. So that's the third benefit. So it's designed with mobility in mind. So no longer are you tethered to that TV on the wall. We all know that the TV of the future is your personal device. Right? Those screens are getting bigger and bigger, and that generation is consuming a lot on mobile devices, and we'll, that will continue to increase across all age cohorts. They're watching more on mobile than the average American does, period. I mean, they're just consuming like crazy. They are heavy users. Correct. So uh, ATSC 3.0 was designed with mobility in mind. You can receive a quality signal while going 100 miles per hour in a car. And that, you can't do that right now in 1.0. And then the, the fourth benefit is that it will allow for targeted ads, which as I think we've all started to figure out is a lot more valuable from an advertiser perspective. We see CPMs of two to three times uh, that of linear in, in a targeted world. And then last but not least, it can be paywall. So you can offer subscription-based services through ATSC 3.0, the likes of uh, Netflix or Hulu, where certain content may be free and certain content uh, you have to be a subscriber to get. So it, it, it's interesting when, when we get down to the ATSC 3.0, show of hands, who here has some working familiarity with that standard? It's not bad. Not, not bad. This must be a broadcast and uh, technical television conference. Okay, so back to my back to my students who are all MBA candidates, by the way. These are these are not kids. These are early early twenties. Um, 
they insist on the user experience being described in four words, one of which is in French. And those four, four words are, shit, that was easy. That's what they want to see. When they're using something, they want to be able to click and watch. They don't want to fuss with it. They don't want to navigate with it. When you are talking about ATSC3 operating on this device, and you're, I believe, investing in providing ATSC3 tuners for these and trying to solve that market. What what uh, manufacturer are you working with? So we we have partnered with Sankia Labs out of India, which is a fabulous chip designer. And the first prototype chips have uh, just come off the uh, the foundry, and we'll have uh, we'll have chips available for CES. So um, we're we're investing tens of millions of dollars into this industry so that um, when the transmission side rolls out, which is what yesterday's announcement was all about, we will have the technology available for ATSC 3.0 to be in all devices. So we'll get to the point where I have an app and it's in here and one click and I'm off to the races and I've got a menu of whatever you want to deliver. That's right. That That is the vision. And uh, as I said, we are making sure the technology is available. We're also talking to the carriers, offering, offering them incentives uh, to incorporate this technology because that's where we know it ultimately is going at the end of the day. Now, we haven't got any takers yet, but we think as the, the market develops, uh, carriers will jump on board. And then also, there's a very, very strong public safety element here. For what amounts to a couple of dollars per device, what public safety organization wouldn't want the ability to reach the entire country, not with just some text alert, but with rich media, video, uh, for times of, of, uh, of uh, disaster, uh, to get the message out and get uh, reach the public. And you have the ability, because number one, you're broadcasting your local and your IP, you can be hyper, hyper local, right? You can be hyper local. You can, you can do hyper local all the way down to the individual device, or you can be national. Okay, so hyper local, and this is a project I actually worked on with someone. Um, if, if you have ever been in a situation where you have things called flash floods, and you have streets that are just washed out and impassable, and you're driving down the street and you see some water in front of you, and it's too much of a pain in the neck to turn around and go back because you figure you can get through there. You actually have the ability to get me a message on my car that simply says, uh, Main Street right down there is flash flood. Turn around. You yeah. can actually direct that down there. That's, that's a real interesting public service feature. We have some folks in the business who are focused on that. But when you get down to that degree of granularity and almost geofencing in there to get that. All right, so well, let me just talk on that for a second because it's important. Not only would we unlock the technical capability to do that, but broadcasters in general also have the information to unlock that. So I'll give you an example. When um, Florence came through, it was our station in New Bern that had to be evacuated. But before that, they were giving block-by-block, street-by-street reports about 
where was not safe, where you know where people should and should not go uh, through that uh, hurricane. And so they have information. They have better reporting, better information because they are actually local there in the market. And then ATS 3.0 in all devices and personal devices is a way to technically deliver that information in a more focused way. Cool. Cool. All right. So you actually talk about. Uh, that would be a function of a local news organization, correct? And uh, we did have Christy Tanner, who runs CBS Digital News up here yesterday, doing a fireside. And CBS has a different approach here. They're driven by the big network, and then they're grabbing content from local affiliates and, and pumping it into the stream and all the rest of that. You are also looking to do something on the news side with content. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we, we do have a, an offering uh, which reaches about 95% of the country called News On, and uh, through us and other affiliates. And uh, we'll be coming out shortly with, a, with our own uh, OTP product called STIR. And STIR will have a combination of local news in every market, syndicated product, and then a, a plethora of other national channels. Uh, and it'll be an AVOD package. AVOD meaning advertising supported video on demand. Correct. But now, wait a minute. News as on demand, doesn't news actually need to be right now? Well, everything in STIR will be available in both a linear format and on demand. Okay. So we can actually get real honest to God, where's the tornado this minute, as well as uh, footage of where the tornado was an hour ago. Being silly with that, but that kind of thing, right? That's that's right. And that's called stir. That's called stir, and it's coming soon. And you're intending to stir the pot with that. Correct. Correct. That's being run out of uh, corporate, but that's, a combination uh, of LA and Seattle. LA, LA and Seattle. Yeah, that's where the, the most of the stir teams in LA. Wow. Okay. And they're, they're in the, the, the tennis channel people. Stir, stir as an over the top. Advertising supported VOD. So, are you then partnering with uh, some of the more already established players to get a little marketing? You don't really need distribution per se, but a little marketing push doesn't hurt, right? We, we, we are partnering with uh, all the best um, channels out there, for instance, like Pet Collective or Fail Army. Um, so that we have a full suite of channels available, channels and, and on-demand assets. So it's not just about news and syndicated. We'll have uh, a number of channels available to you so that you can stay within the ecosystem, get your news, get your talk show, but also get um, you know, some entertainment programming from these best-in-class providers. Okay, so now we also had Matt Strauss who does all product development for Xfinity and for Comcast yesterday. Um, and he talks about adding Netflix and Amazon Prime, and I guess Hulu's going to come in, and maybe Pluto and some others. Would you talk to Comcast about having them plug Stir in, because they can integrate? Okay, so no, no, we, we absolutely will do that. Okay. And, you know, a big part of our, a huge part of our business, half of our business is about reselling our content to other distributors. There you go. We get half of our revenue from people like Comcast who take our content, our channels, and redistribute it in other places. So that's absolutely part of the strategy. So talking about content, you have some sports plays. 
We have, uh, obviously we have Tennis Channel, and it's a great example of a multi-platform content strategy. I'll talk about that in a second. We have Stadium, which is a general and collegiate sports-focused channel, which is uh, both 24-7 and uh, on-demand and uh, you know uh, over-the-top offering. And then, of course, we have our, uh, our local sports operations, which are largely um, high school sports. Uh, but just taking a step back for a second on content, I think what we what we see happening is the big tech companies turning entertainment programming into a negative margin business. You've got Apple coming in, you've got Amazon, you've got Netflix. They're all spending billions and millions of dollars largely on entertainment programming, and we see that just being a sea of blood. It's going to be a negative margin business for the foreseeable future. And you can't compete with somebody who doesn't care how much money they lose. Well, correct. They and I, when I say negative margin, I mean negative gross margin. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be um, a very, very difficult space for a lot of players, you know, including some of the biggest media players. And uh, we're focused on areas where we can create scarcity value, where we have advantage. And that is really local. It's uh, sports. And it's topicals. So those are the areas that, that we're strong in, and we're, we're looking at those where we can actually protect and create scarcity value, and then taking them multi-platform. And that's what we're doing in sports. So tennis is a great example of that. Tennis is the number one brand in tennis and tennis lifestyle. It has the number one cable channel. It has the number one online destination with tennis.com. It has the number one magazine with Tennis Magazine. And uh, it, uh, it is now going to be branching out to, uh, to the globe and to other markets. And as you told me a few minutes ago, tennis as a, as a sport generates a fair amount of betting? Yes. So a little known fact is that tennis is the second most bet sport in the world. And you wouldn't know that here in the U.S. because no one bets on it in tennis. But in the rest of the world, people bet on it like crazy. And it's all in match. So bet on this next serve, bet on who wins the next point, and uh, it's going to be a huge opportunity for us here in, in the U.S., and uh, uh, we think it's going to be uh, a big boom, not only for viewership, but also ancillary revenues. So does that mean that if I go whatever direction, I think that direction is the Meadowlands, where William Hill, who's speaking today, by the way, on our sports betting FanDuel actually is running the sports book out here. Will I see tennis matches there that people are betting on? You will soon. I will soon. Yes. And they'll absolutely. be from you. Well, we're in the, in, we're, we are figuring that out right now, but we have the media. At the end of the day, if you're going to do in-match yep. betting, yep. you're going to want to also be watching the media at the same time because this isn't about betting on the results of the match. Sure. This is about following along in real time and betting in real time. And so Tennis Channel has most of the rights of tennis in this country, aside from some of the majors, and uh, we are actively looking about how we append on gaining onto that. That's awesome. My heavens. So um, let's, let's uh, we're rolling down towards the end. Um, M&A for Sinclair, have growth in your plans for adding distribution. Not a big surprise. Everybody knows.
was about Tribune, and I don't want to dig into the whys and wheres of that. But in terms of expanding your footprint, give us just a little bit of talk about where you want to go and how you want to do it. So it's been no secret that we have uh, been very vocal uh, proponents of deregulation. They really, when you take a look across the media landscape today, the, the entire broadcast industry has a market capitalization of, of probably no more than $10 billion, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, we're now in a world where we're competing with other companies that are worth hundreds of billions of dollars, just one company alone, some approaching a trillion. So um, we're just entirely too small as an industry, and um, more consolidation has to be part of this. We are focused on more consolidation within television. There's a plethora of opportunities coming on the market today, but we're also focused on adjacencies, which is a little bit different than our brethren, right? So we'll look at cable, or we're gonna be looking at these RSNs coming in, and, and we're pretty active in digital as well. So I heard some of the guys um, at a conference, they run together, uh, from Nexstar and, and from Fox Networks, and you're bigger than both of them by fair degree, but they have aggressive views of the world. Uh, does this come down into uh, three big players in the broadcast space, Sinclair, um, Fox, and Nextel? Look, how many players ultimately end up dominating the market, the broadcast marketplace? I think is the wrong question. Okay. Because there is not going to be a broadcast space in short order. It's all going to mesh together. And if you just think of yourself as competing in the broadcast space and you don't think you're competing against the diversified media companies or you're competing against Amazon or Netflix or Google, then you really don't know what the marketplace is. So it is the broadcast strategy inside a media company. Correct. And Sinclair is a media company. We're very much a media company. In fact, we're very much a technology company. When you take a look at the things we've done around APS and 3.0, uh, what we've done in terms of our content management system online, what we're doing with STIR, all that's homegrown. And we come from a very technical background. That's why we sound a lot different than the average broadcaster, because we generally approach things from a product and technology standpoint first, because most of our peers approach it from a content or sales strategy first. But we, at our core of, of, of Sinclair, that's why we're, doing, we're, we're developing chips with Sinclair Labs. We think about the technology first, and we're very much a technology mindset company. So we wouldn't be surprised to see you acquire, would you acquire a cable company? We already did with the uh, Tennis Channel. Well, that was a cable network. Okay, I mean, you mean like an MVP? Cable, yeah, an MVP day. I don't think that's going to be in our cards in the future. I Look, I never say no to anything, and for the right price, I'll literally buy anything. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that type of distribution uh, will be in the right value zone for us. But cable companies have pipes, and you need pipes. Although, frankly, with ATSC3, oh, here you go, with ATSC3, you are the pipe. And it's you? a wireless pipe. And it's a wireless and pipe. It's, and it's vastly more efficient than anything that exists today in 4G or even what 5G will be. 
And we know that at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to uh, span the entire nation due to these arcane regulations. However, we formed, uh, in partnership with other broadcasters, something called Spectrum Co., which is uh, a consortium where people get to join, contribute their spectrum, and, and span the entire nation and roll out advanced services. So in any given market, we'll save all born where I live. Uh, when ATSC3 comes in, how many of the, how much of the available bandwidth described as, as channels do you think you will be putting out in the Baltimore market with, with content? Are you talking, you're going to go to five, six, seven, how many, I mean? Well, rough order magnitude, you can do what you're doing today. The channels we're putting out today, and so Baltimore, let's use that as an example. I bet you over the air today, there's 60 channels. Yep. And that can be squeezed into one-fourth of the spectrum that's being used today. So technically, you can 4x. Uh, so 60 could go to 240. And um, I don't ultimately think that's what's going to happen. More channels will be added, but you're also going to be adding data casting of some sort. You could be adding audio. You could be doing content or uh, infotainment into connected cars. So um, I, I think that at the end of the day, the uh, highest and best use of ATSC 3.0 ultimately may not be exclusively mobile video. And that's our show. Thanks so much for joining me. I am uh, not much of a fan for some of the top-down ultra-conservative editorial positions that Sinclair has imposed on its local news operations. But I think that, as you can tell from this conversation with Ripley, they're way too smart, way too ambitious, and way too big to be ignored on the coming landscape of media as we go through a series of technological transformations and shifts. I don't know if ATSC 3.0 gives broadcast a reason to exist. It's going to take a couple years, as everybody seemed to agree at the conference, this, at the NABNY conference. It's going to take a couple years for it to roll out and start to make a difference. And it may be that by the time it actually gets here in some notable fashion, it'll be too late. That 5G, that uh, cable guys, I mean, I have uh, lots of folks telling me uh, there's lots of reasons to be skeptical about ATSC 3.0. But it's kind of the remaining um, home run swing that they have, and if they can pull it off, then they'll have a viable platform to deliver a wide range of content, advertising, interactive experiences that are local, that can be compelling, and that give one of the oldest media platforms we have in this country, broadcast TV, a reason to matter again. And for that reason, I'm glad we could uh, get this thing together and bring it out to you. So this has been David Bloom for Bloom and Tech. I hope you're well and having a great week. I will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Bloom and Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.